Welcome back to God's Work Displayed. A couple of quick announcements before the episode. There uh, will soon be a social media and email um, set up exclusively for this podcast and and or book. Um, I just have to get around to doing that. And once that's set up, I'll, I'll let everyone know what the appropriate locations are. I hope people will email once I get this set up, as well as uh, join or follow the social media. Um, my, additionally, I also plan for this podcast to be ad-free as well as uh, always free content for everyone. Uh, so I have no plans of adding a sponsored segment. And uh, However, if there's any things up in the future, I might reference certain products, um, but I do not expect to be getting a commission and uh, don't plan on don't want to actually um, so that's that's that part uh, but as, until I have an email set up for this if you know me or uh, anything like that send an email or, or a message to me you can do passenger pigeon pony express um, or even a packet on a clipper ship um, but yeah just get in contact me questions suggestions ideas uh, if you want to be interviewed and you think you might be a good interview subject let me know <laughs> I'd love love to talk to more people uh, as I mentioned in the first uh, announcement I love to talk to family members of individuals with intellectual disabilities uh, and different uh, professionals so uh, contact me don't hesitate I'm also trying to figure out how to do interviews with my current equipment so that might be an issue in the future and we'll have to uh, cross that bridge when we get there hopefully I don't have to set up a patreon page just to raise funds for that but we'll see what happens uh, there are some things in the pipeline and which is primarily thoughts in my head about some long-term ideas but as things progress and uh, anything updates come about I will let everyone know and keep you all updated so thanks for for listening and on to the show hi so now on to the episode this episode we're going to discuss really why i chose the name of the podcast and the name of the book name of the podcast god's work displayed and the name of the book uh so that the works of god might be displayed in him this all comes from John 9. So we're going to talk about John 9. We're going to spend the time just discussing what's going on in John 9, why it's a really important uh, <clears throat> passage for us to understand uh, the theology behind severe and profound intellectual disabilities and what, why is it important to care for these people, why is it important to understand what's going on and to, to to not impose shame that's undeserved on them so i'm going to read through john 9 first uh and then i use the new american standard version and then we'll discuss it in detail but before i do that i'm going to say a quick prayer uh, and i'll say this i've been really convicted recently of of my prayer life and really been encouraged by brothers in christ to to pray more so i'm going to spend some time praying uh, on here uh, so don't be surprised if in other episodes we spend time praying and I hope you join me in this let's pray gracious father we are thankful that we can go to your word and to see how you 
have redeemed your people through Jesus Christ. We are thankful that you not only redeem your people, but you uh, grow us, that you sanctify us, you make us more like Jesus. And so, Father, I ask that myself and anybody listening, that we can look at your word and that we can have the Holy Spirit work in our hearts to change us, to help us love you more and to love others more deeply. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So John 9 <clears throat> begins. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes. I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight, until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight, and asked them, is this your son, who you say was born blind? How, I'm sorry, how then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God had spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, 
You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who may see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say we see, your guilt remains. That's the end of that section. And so we see quite an interesting things going on. And before we get started, I want to give credit to a couple sources that um, that I am indebted to when I was researching this originally. This is actually a good uh, section in my book, and I, I preached a sermon not too long ago uh, on this. <clears throat> I do some pulpit supplies, so that's why. Um, and so John Piper wrote a little ebook. I think it's for free, if I remember right, called Disability and the Sovereign Goodness of God. Um, so you can probably find that online if you look up John Piper, Disability and the Sovereign Goodness of God. I also used D.A. Carson's The Gospel According to John, and that's part of the Pillar New Testament Commentary. And Leon Morris wrote The Gospel According to John, a revised edition, and that's part of the New International Commentary on the New Testament. So, um, this, this, is, this is about John 9. And... Um, we see early on, this is in verse 3, Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And so I chose that for a very good reason. One, I feel like John 9 is kind of the core of, of, of a lot of what I understand about intellectual disabilities, how we, how we kind of think through things, um, kind of a lens through how we see this whole situation. Jesus early on, in the story, well, first I want to point out, I'm sorry, uh, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. So we see this first verse that Jesus is the one who notices. Um, Jesus is paying attention to the people around him. Jesus is caring for those, and so he's on the lookout. He's looking at them. He makes eye contact. The blind man can't see him coming, so it's totally on Jesus to do this. <clears throat> and then disciples, uh, the way it reads... It seems like disciples notice Jesus noticing. <laughs> so Jesus, the disciples notice Jesus noticing this man. And so they ask this pointed question because I think all of us have this, this, this struggle to understand uh, why do bad things happen to anybody? Good people, bad people, whatever. Why is there bad things in this world? And often the, the common answer is the sin, the fall. And so, and that's, and it's not wrong theologically, but sometimes it's just too callous. And this is kind of what the disciples are saying. But in fact, the disciples are a little even more pointed in this section. In fact, the, the disciples are trying to point the blame on specific sins of the individuals involved. So, we all know to make a baby, you need two to, two to tango, particularly at this time. They didn't have all the in vitro stuff, so they had to do it the old-fashioned way. To make a baby. And so the disciples are saying, were the parents sinful? Did they do something sinful that would, would cause God to punish 
them and make this man born blind from birth? Uh, or did this man somehow sin, which is really confusing to us if we think about, but they've, they've got a point somewhere, you know, did this man sin? And he's born blind, so that would have meant that he would have sinned in the womb to have this con- this direct consequence. So I'm not aware of any theology that says that uh, uh, babies in the womb commit sin. <laughs> um, now, so, so the, but maybe, I don't know. So they're dealing with this. But there's also this implicit question of um, why, why is this happening? Is this, is this a result of sin? Um, so Jesus answers that this man did not sin. So he didn't sin in the womb or anything like that to cause this. His parents didn't sin to, to lead to this consequence. But he says that the works of God might be displayed in him. We know that sin is in the world. When Adam and Eve violated the command that God gave them to not eat of the fruit of the tree of good and evil, sin entered the world. And through that, the curse and brokenness and sickness and death and all these terrible things. And so what what's Jesus is saying is that God allowed this man to be born blind, not to punish the man, but for the very purpose that God's work can be displayed through and in him. The purpose of allowing the sin was ultimately for God's greater glory. <clears throat> and that's what we see through this. And so this is a big deal. When we too often want to, we see somebody that's got health problems, or we got see, see somebody that, uh, somebody with an intellectual disability. Usually somebody with a severe and profound intellectual disability will have a host of other medical complications. And we often want to put the blame, not, we don't want to admit it, but we want to put the blame on somebody. We want to say, well, their parents did something wrong, or they did something wrong, and, <clears throat> um, you know, we do this with others too. I do this. I'm guilty of it, and I've got to correct, you know, I've got to be sanctified through about this, but... Um, this is one of those issues that that it's really a heart issue going on with us. You know, uh, I think about people I see that aren't healthy looking in my mind, and so I make assumptions about them. I say like, well, they just they eat fast food every day, or they don't, you know, move enough. They don't do enough movement. They don't they don't remain active. Um, you know, and so, and that's a, that's something that's sinful in my heart. But we, all, I would assume that a lot of people they see somebody with an intellectual disability and they assume that the parents didn't take care, of, the mother didn't do all the prenatal stuff she was supposed to do, or um, they 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 committed a sin. And and I will say that there are cases where that's that happens. Uh, there are cases where. Uh, Individuals are the product of a sinful union. And so, but we can't assume that. We don't know that. Um, there are a lot of healthy people born from the, born from 
sinful unions, if you want to think that. So it's not just that. There's something greater going on when God allows uh, this suffering because the purpose ultimately is for God's glory to be shown. And this man, a man born blind, will be healed. And since that is something that the world had never seen, this is a incredible miracle. And that's what Jesus really takes time to, to talk about. And that's a lot of what I'm talking about as well, that um, that he is trying to help understand. Jesus is trying to make it clear that this is not an empty pain. This is not empty suffering. This is for a purpose. Jesus is taking the time now to heal this man so that people can see his light and his glory. Because soon, he's going to die on the cross. Soon, he's going to die. and it's, He dies on the cross for our sins. Let's make that clear. I want everybody, when you're hearing this, I need you to understand that you are not good enough to go to heaven on your own. You do not live the holy life that God demands. And so what he has done is he has provided somebody as a substitute for you, and that person is Jesus. He lived the holy life. He lived the perfect life. And then he died on the cross for our sins. So our sins are put on him, and he died, and he took the wrath of God. And then he was put in the grave, and three days later he rose, and which demonstrates a victory over death and over sin. And then he ascended to heaven and now sits at the right hand of God as our what we call our advocate or our mediator. He is the one that stands between us and the Father and says, for those who trust in Jesus, he stands and says, this is, this is one of mine. They are covered by my blood. So if you're listening, and I, I encourage you to repent, turn away from your own attempts to make yourself good enough. You can't do it. All of the good works, all the help that you provide, people that you care about, is not enough to get you into heaven. No, none of your good works will outweigh your sinfulness. And so uh, I implore you to, to turn to Jesus now. And this is the point that Jesus is making. He's like, look, I am the Savior. This is a lot of the prophecies in the Old Testament. It's pointing to Jesus as the Savior here. He's the light of the world. And what Jesus is also saying is that I'm going to be gone soon. And then it's going to be your job. You remember, a lot of you probably heard, uh, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, your soul. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> and that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, you've got to love God. Because you can't do any of this without that. But you've also, when I'm gone, you've got to start loving others. And throughout the Old Testament we see, and we'll talk about this in another episode, but we see over and over again that God's compassion for the exploited, for the weak, the poor, all those, on and on. And so Jesus is saying, you've got to start loving people too. you gotta, you got to do it. So this takes a peculiar turn after he heals him. So then Jesus is off the scene, which is kind of weird. I find it weird when I read it. I think it's peculiar, but it, it happens. And so then we see <clears throat> this debate. And this is really interesting, and we'll, we'll look at how we apply this, but I want to discuss it real quick, is that 
All of a sudden, the, the formerly blind man, we're never told his name, is questioned by everyone. People doubt that he was even the man. They're like, he looks identical, but he can see, so he clearly must not be the man, because how could he be healed? So the neighbors don't even trust him, think he's a liar. So then they, they go and they take him to the Pharisees to be questioned. And these are neighbors, mind you, that have known him his whole life. I mean, this is, I mean, these, at that time, very few people traveled long distances. They typically stayed in the same area. So they take him to the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders at the time. And these guys know the law inside and out. This, you know, by the law, I mean the Old Testament law, the Mosaic law. And so they go, and the Pharisees questioning. And the Pharisees already have a prejudice against him because they have a prejudice against Jesus. And so they challenge the man. I think they're assuming this man is not a very intelligent man. Uh, he's a total fool, but he's not. He was blind. He's not. He wasn't born mentally impaired. He was just born blind. Not that there's anything wrong with mental impairment, but that's the assumption they're making. They're not treating him uh, as, a, as the man he is. And so, so they question the man, and the guy's like, guys, I don't know exactly who this was. I just know this man healed me. So at the very least, he's a prophet. Well, what does that mean? And that means, and so why doesn't he acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of Man? or the Son of God, or whichever title you want to give him, because he doesn't really know what happened. He just knows this man healed him. Uh, but he's showing great faith because he's saying, like, a holy man, someone that God has chosen, has healed me. So he's acknowledging that this, the man who healed him is somebody that God has anointed, that he's put a spirit on. And, of course, that makes the Pharisees pretty mad. Because they, Jesus also broke the mold. He healed on the Sabbath. They forget that there is an exception in the law that mercy is always allowed on the Sabbath. Now, there's all kinds of examples throughout the Old Testament, like, hey, your, your bull fell into a giant pit. Can I get him out on the Sabbath? Well, it's work, but it's to save your animal and show mercy. So, yes, you can get it out. You know, that kind of stuff. So, um... They're going to try to get him on that, but in fact, that's one of the exceptions because they just they don't like Jesus over he's usurping their authority too. Um, and the the man, the formerly blind man, doesn't care about the Sabbath. He just is glad that he's healed. I mean, wouldn't you be? I wear glasses. Um, without my glasses, I don't have very good vision. I if somebody healed me, I would be pretty stoked, even if it was on. Uh, a day that was the most terrible day to be healed on, whatever that, if we had an equivalent to that at all. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I get why the man's saying that. <clears throat> so he's, so then the, the, the Pharisees are like, let's ask your parents then, because we can't trust you. Well, we have to assume this man, uh, if they question him initially, that he's, he's an adult within the Jewish legal system, at that time, so he's at least a teenager, and whatever your feelings are on teenagers, I mean, he's at least competent enough to know that he was blind and how he sees, so, so they, so they go to the parents, the parents are totally 
scared of the Pharisees. They don't want to get kicked out of synagogue because if they get kicked out of synagogue, they've lost all connection to their community. It makes it very difficult to live. And so uh, they're like, hey, he's responsible for himself. you got to talk to him. So they, they pass the buck back to their son, which is sad that they're not defending him. So then the Pharisees go back to the man, and this man really gets on their nerves. The formerly blonde man, he's like, hey guys, uh, I, don't, I don't know anything beyond what happened to me. He knows that God doesn't listen to sinners, and yet he must have listened to this man because this man healed him. Um, so I don't, and he, but he says he, he doesn't know if he's a sinner. He knows that all people are sinners, but he doesn't say that this man's necessarily a great sinner. He just says, I don't know, um, because the people are wanting, the Pharisees are trying to get him to call sinner, call Jesus a sinner, call basically him a, a Satan worshiper to some degree, using demons and stuff. Uh, and so we see that this man gets, and then the formula of the blind man gets kind of smart aleck, which I appreciate. He's a little sarcastic because um, the Pharisees keep at it, and they're not backing down. So the man's like, he's super sarcastic. So when I read this, I want if I don't say sarcastic enough, I want you to hear it, sarcasm dripping from it. So the formerly blind man says, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where it comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So he's called out the Pharisees. He's like, you guys know the law, and you know that this man could not have violated the law if I was healed. It all... it. And you're just you're just saying this man's terrible, and you don't even know anything about him. And so, you know, when people are called out, uh, they have two choices, and mo- one choice is to acknowledge that you're in the wrong. Very few of us do that, myself included. Oftentimes, more often we all say, "Well, you're wrong, and you're out of here. You're out of the group." So they kick the man out of the synagogue. He's he's excommunicated. He he's in trouble now. And finally, Jesus shows up again. <laughs> he reappears on the scene. And that's always the crazy thing, I think. Um, the man still acknowledges who, that he doesn't know who Jesus is. He just knows, because Jesus comes in and is like, hey, do you want to know who healed you? And the guy's like, yeah, because I don't know who it was. I didn't see him. I was blind at the time. Just remember, he didn't see Jesus after the healing. He just came back to his neighbors and like, I'm healed. And um, Jesus reveals who he is, and the man worships him. I want to think about that. So worship oftentimes really means like bowing down, like we call, we say prostrate um, before the God. It's bowing down, kowtowing is another term we could use. It, it's all the way down, hands, face, into the dirt before a holy God. And that's what he does to Jesus. He worships him, which is an appropriate response. Because Jesus is God. I think we, we forget that with people with intellectual disabilities, we, we often don't even tell them the gospel. We may take them to church. We may recite some, some things. Uh, we may, and maybe they do hear the gospel. Sometimes they do. But... Um, 
we don't allow them to worship, to come into the presence of God. We try to keep them back. But we see here that Jesus is one-on-one with the people he cares about, and he wants everyone to worship him. And then Jesus, Jesus then comes to the defense of the man, which is beautiful. Jesus challenges the Pharisees, and he calls them blind. So here's the irony. So the man that was formerly blind now sees. And the people who thought they could see what the law was are really the ones who are blind. This man that was born blind, he didn't really get a lot of religious education. Okay, it's a the society he grew up in was 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 oral in a lot of ways, but it was also a very written uh, society. But because he was blind, he was most likely ignored, uh, cast aside, just thought useless, a burden to society, and so he probably didn't know the law. I can guarantee you he didn't know the law inside and out like the Pharisees did. He kind of acknowledged that. But Jesus is saying, this man really sees what all the law is about. And you Pharisees who study the law all your life, you don't get it. You just don't get it. You're blind. They, they refuse to see what God has done. They think that God, that man, they, the Pharisees are assuming the same question that disciples did in the beginning. The Pharisees are assuming that this man sinned or his parents did. And so we gotta we've got to shame them, we've got to make them understand that they are sin sinful and then they can never have forgiveness. And Jesus steps in and is like, that's not how this rolls. Jesus is saying, like, I bring forgiveness. There is forgiveness. There is healing available. Now I don't I want us to stop real quick and talk about this healing. There's a there's a mistake sometimes that we can pray so hard, we can believe hard enough that, that all our ills will be healed. And that's not true. Because we see that sometimes God allows suffering for His glory. So I don't want us to have a false sense of hope that if we pray hard enough, we believe hard enough that somebody with an intellectual disability will no longer have an intellectual disability. They'll They'll no longer need a wheelchair. They'll they'll be walking. They'll be jumping. They'll be playing basketball in the NBA. That's not going to happen. It could. God has the ability to. But God instead uses the weakest to declare His glory. And oftentimes, it's not through magnificent displays of physical prowess. It's typically through magnificent displays of sacrificial love. He calls us to care for those who are the least of these so that his works might be displayed. So <clears throat> I want us to understand that like this is not a healing of physicality, typically. This is a healing of our spirit, of our soul. That there is salvation and there is redemption for all of us available when we turn to Jesus. And so... We will have full physical healing on, in glorification at the end of time, like Jesus had after he died. He, he appeared to his, his disciples after the resurrection, and he was totally healed. Just with, only had the scars, and he could do all kinds of cool things. And that is why we, we need to understand that we're not going to have healing on, on this side of, of, of the reality. It's going to be on the other side when we have glorification 
that's a big term we use, perfect perfected bodies. Uh, there are some authors out there, I will warn you, some supposed theologians who claim that we'll have the disabilities in heaven. I feel like that is one of the most hopeless things to ever read, and I don't understand it. Um, so I would watch out for those. Uh, we may at one point talk about some of those people, but not right now. Um, so God uses weakness. He uses disabilities to declare his glory. And it is most clearly through redemption, through salvation. And so God is calling us to declare the gospel, who Jesus is to them, because we can't physically heal people a lot of times, but we can point them to where they can have spiritual healing. And that's that's what he's telling us to do, is that we need to declare the gospel because uh, that is the light that we need. Um, so, so that's kind of the, the gist of what's going on. So I think one of the big things we... We need to think about application. I, I kind of realize I'm kind of thinking in a in a in a mode of, of a sermon, and I guess that's uh, that's okay. So one of the things we need to think about what what is the point of John nine? What is that telling us? Well, it tells us that people who suffer are important to, to Jesus, and that He notices them. We saw in the first first verse, He saw the blind man, but He's also he tells the disciples, you got to carry us. We need to care about others. We need to love the Lord deeply. But we also need to love the people he made deeply. And so I implore you to, to love these individuals, these people with intellectual disabilities, severe, profound, mild, and moderate. You know what? Any, anything, anybody, we need to love other people. And the greatest way to love, to love them is to declare the, the gospel. So we need to take time with people who have intellectual disabilities and share the gospel with them over and over again, helping them understand what's going on. It's kind of hard sometimes, but we have to take our time to do it. But we can't just do that. We have to love them well. We have to share other things with them. We have to share our lives with them. We have to share... Um, our resources with them. A lot of people I worked with in the past were in a state institution. So that gets a little harder, and there's a lot of complications that I, and some recommendations I have that we'll explore later as it gets, it gets kind of into some nitty-gritty, difficult things. But I want us to understand that, that God is telling us that People who are in the greatest need are the ones that he can have the greatest glory displayed. When somebody comes to salvation, there is great glory displayed about how God uh, works in people's hearts, how he changes them. And so I want us to take time to, to meditate on what John 9 is telling us. And as you start reading through scripture to, to think on as a lens of like Jesus sees the people who need help, Jesus cares about them. But he's also telling us to care for them. So, in that, we can't judge people 
by their sins. You know, we can call people out on their sins, yes, but we do not judge them of their sins. We point them to Jesus. God will judge, and he is judging. And for outsiders, we do not judge. And so, uh, declare the gospel to people with intellectual disabilities. Declare people the gospel to everyone. That's the ultimate way to love. And then provide their needs. All right. Well, the next episode, we'll probably be talking about uh, the Imago Day, which is kind of a fancy term uh, for the image of God. I'm not sure when that'll come out. I haven't made any plans for what um, a schedule will look like as I kind of work through what works well. And um, so I hope you enjoy that. Uh, remember to keep re- read through John 9, kind of meditate on what the Lord is saying through that. Um, and remember that there is hope in Jesus. Uh, thank you for listening. Bye.